0: Good morning. Welcome again to River Valley Community Church. We're so thrilled and glad to have everyone with us this morning. <clears throat> Thank you band as always You're doing an awesome great job. So we're continuing our series that we started last week about being a healthy church and having healthy members and how these things impact each other. And so last week we talked about what the church is and what uh, Christians are called to be connected to a church. And today, we're going to be continuing that as we talk about uh, being founded and equipped by the word. And so, let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we can gather as your body. That we can gather as your people and know you and celebrate you and worship you and praise you and lift our voices to you. Lord, we pray for this time as we open up your word that we can know you through the word that you've given us, that you can speak to us through the Bible, Lord. And Lord, we pray for this time that you speak through the words I speak, that you show us what we need to be shown, that you teach us what we need to be taught, that you lead us in your ways so that we can serve you and worship you all of our days. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Admiral Richard Byrd was famous for his explorations of both the North and the South Pole. He was famous uh, because he, at a time when people really haven't explored those areas of the planet, he was taking ships up there, he was doing flybys over them. And in the 1920s and 30s, he did several explorations, particularly to the Antarctic, the South Pole, And in one such expedition, in 1934, he chose to spend a whole Arctic, Antarctic winter by himself. So there he was in his hut in the Antarctic, and he uh, he was experiencing temperatures that ranged from uh, 40 to 60 degrees below zero. Winds were blowing that made it whiteout conditions. The snow was frozen over, and yet he still chose to explore. And the only way he could do that was by walking from his hut, and every 30 yards or so, he would place a bamboo stick and then continue on. And then he would place another one so he could find his way back to his hut. Because the snow was frozen over, he left no footprints, and so if he were to lose his bearing, it's a very real possibility that he could never get back to safety and security. Well, one day, of course, as would happen, his mind wandered why he was exploring and he realized it's been more than 30 yards since I placed a bamboo stick and he looked behind him and there was no stick to be found. But instead of panicking, Knowing that this was a very real dire situation, what he decided to do was he broke through the crust of the ice and he built a little tower of snow that he could see from a distance. And then he knew this was his reference point. This was his guiding kind of beacon. And he could venture off from there, going as far as he could to still see the tower and look for the bamboo stick. And if he didn't see it, he retreated back to his tower, lined up with the stars again, went a little to the left. And try it again. And it's through this method that lo and behold, he did find that last bamboo stick that he placed and he was able to find his way back to his little hut and survive that winter. But he needed a reference point, something that was unchanging that he could see and he could orient his whole life around to get back to safety. And the same thing is true for us. We need a reference point. We need something that is unchanging and stable, which we can see, we can know, and we can orient our life around. This is especially true today in an ever-changing society where morals and rules seem to be changed minute by minute. And if we don't have a reference point, if we don't have that stability that comes from it, then we'll just be pushed by the current of the times. And so we need that reference point to guide us, to direct us on how to live. And it's very simple. We do have that reference point. And That reference point is the Word of God. That reference point is the true Word that God has given us that we can look at, know, study, and we can know God through His Word. And that is something we can orient our whole life around. That does not change, that is stable, and can pull us and lead us where we need to go. It's the rock in which we can cling to. It's the stable foundation on which we build our whole lives. So today, that's what we're talking about as we talk about healthy church, healthy members, and it's this idea that a healthy church and a healthy member are both founded on the Word and equipped by the Word. Founded on the Word and equipped by by the word. That we're founded on it. This is who we are. This is what we build our life on. This is what makes us who we are. This is what brings this church together. It's what should drive and guide the the life of the individual believer. But we're not just founded on the word, but also equipped by the word. That it actually gives us what we need to live life for Christ. It gives us the understanding we need to navigate this confusing world for our God. And So we're founded on the word and equipped by the word and that is who we are as a healthy church and healthy members and we see this throughout scripture but i'm just going to pull out these two main passages we're going to look at and the first one is in matthew 7 uh, chapter uh matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 so if you have your bibles you can turn there if not they're going to be on the screen this is jesus and he's ending his sermon on a mount and he uses these words he says And it fell, and great was the fall of it. I love this passage. Because he's summing up his Sermon on Mount, maybe the most famous teachings of Jesus, and he's coming to the end, and he says, Hey, what you've heard me say, my words, you best be putting them into practice. They're not just empty words, they're not just good, you know, euphemisms that you can use around the house. They're not just good quotes or tweetable material. These are things that should apply to your life, that you live them out, that you do my word. And so he makes that comparison. If you do my word, if you live as I have called you to live, then you'll be like a man who built his house on the rock and nothing moved it. The rains came, the floods came, the winds beat against it and it was stable. I don't know about you, but that is a very enticing image. For, I don't know if you notice this, but life can be hard. And life can seem like the rains are coming, here comes the flood, and the wind is with it, and it's beating at my door. And what keeps us secure, what makes us able to have that firm foundation, is that we built our life on the word of God. We built our life on the very words of Jesus. He says, if you don't do that, you'll have built your life, your house, on sand, which does not give you that firm foundation. That when the life comes and hits against it, it will fall, and great will the fall be of it. We know that. Before we knew Christ, the way we lived, what we found in our life was on things that did not matter, things that do not last, things that really have no eternal significance, and that cannot give meaning or purpose or lasting um, drive for a life. It will fail you. But if you build your house, your life on that rock, you can have that security that comes with it. And I love this image of rock because it. Last week we talked about how Jesus said that confession of Peter was the rock on which he's going to build the church. And how we see throughout the scripture that rock is another image of God. That The Psalms describe God as that rock, that refuge, the place we can go to in our times of trouble. About how it, later on in the New Testament that Jesus is called that rock that builds his church, the stone, the center stone on which uh, the whole foundation is built around. And we see again and again this idea that God Jesus, our Lord, and his teaching, because you cannot separate those things, are the rock, the stable foundation of our life. And so we not only build our church on the word of God, we build our lives on the word of God and live it out, seek to know it, and apply it to uh, our lives. This passage makes it very clear that we not only need to know the word of God, but we need to do the word of God. We need to know the word and apply it. But generally speaking, we don't do that that well, do we? We don't do that well because it's amazing in a a time when the Bible is everywhere, it seems like in our society, we have a tendency not to know it. I was just looking at some statistics. On average, in the United States, uh, nine out of 10 households have a Bible. Then if you look at the average of just Americans, they have probably three Bibles in their homes. You can get your Bible for free on the smartphone. You can look it up online for free, again. I looked in my office, my study here, and I had 14 Bibles. Now, I'm a, I'm a nerd like that, and I have like 10 at home, but not counting even the partial ones, like, like New Testaments and stuff like that, like I have, but it seems like it's everywhere At least for us, right? It's everywhere. And yet, how often do we engage it? How often do we seek to read it and know it and apply it? There was a study, a survey done, a recent poll, asking Christians, and and of Christians, only 11% had reported that they have read the whole Bible. 12%. Another 12% claimed they had read nearly the whole Bible. 15%, another 15% claimed to have read half the Bible. So very, very, being really generous, if you take that poll at Face Valley, that means that more than 60% of Christians, self-proclaiming Christians, have no clue what is in the Word of God. They have not sought to read it, understand it, or apply it to a life because if they don't know what's in it, they can't apply it. So when I see these stats, it's not like I'm coming down on people, because I know it's hard. I fail all the time. When I wake up in the morning and I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible or doing that, so many other things come to grab my attention. It's hard sometimes to read the Word of God. But when I was thinking about that, if we truly believe those words that Jesus has said, that if you listen to my words and do them, like a man who builds his house on a rock, wouldn't we seek to know what God was telling us? Wouldn't we seek to cherish the words that were given through his word and understand it and apply it to our lives? That we need to recover the passion that should come from actually having the, the words of the almighty God given to us where we can understand them and process them and obey them. I think part of the problem is the fact that I do have 14 Bibles in my office. That we have grown complacent in our society because it's everywhere. We're used to it. And so we don't really, sometimes when there's, there's an abundance of, um, of goodness, like having so many Bibles, we can not see the value in it. But we need to regain the passion of the people throughout history who have known that they need the word of God and they have done everything in their power to gain the word of God. If you look out through history, through church history, there's been these times when people have known they need the word of God and they sought it with all their might. I think of uh, William Tyndale, who's, who's an Englishman who was the first person who took the original languages and he put them into an English translation. And because of this, he was on run for most of his life because the Catholic church and the king did not like this. He had to smuggle his Bibles, his translations, into England so that people could have the Word of God in their own language rather than in Latin. And, you know, the Catholic Church and the government tried to stop this by buying up all of his Bibles, which really just financed him to keep on going, which is kind of funny to me. But he lived his life on the run, eventually giving his life for this endeavor of putting the Bible in his countrymen's hands where he was convicted and tried and eventually killed and burned at the stake because of it. It's a powerful thing when he knew my people did not have the word of God and I must do everything in my power to give them the word of God. We must regain that passion, and it's still going on today. I'm going to show you this little video clip, and this is a tribe in Indonesia that uh, gains The Bible for the very first time in their own language, and just look how they celebrate this. (tose)
1: عم بقطع انا
0: So that clip actually goes on, I just took a little segment of it because it's a really long clip of this whole tribe comes out and they're dancing, they're singing, they're celebrating the fact that for the very first time, the Word of God is given to them in their own language so they can understand it and know it and apply it to your lives. This is a huge deal, To and we need to recover this passion. I mean, we have Ted, who helping us lead worship. And what does he do for his day job? It's not help us leave worship, but it's working with LEI, which are all about giving, uh, helping people learn to read so they can understand the Word of God in their own language and how powerful that is. And if we know the truth of Jesus' words that he gave us in Matthew 7, that we're supposed to found our life on his words, then we need to seek to know the Word of God and truly find, found our life on them. That we plant our foundation on the Word of God, that we know it and apply it to our lives, that we value it and we we seek to read it and study it, and that we memorize it, and that we seek to put it in our hearts, and we seek to live it out and apply it to every situation in our life. That when we come to that fork in the rose or or the questions of what we should do, our our thoughts should be well. What does the Bible have to say? What does God have to say through the word of God for this situation? How can I apply that for my life? And if we are, know the truth that we are saved by Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, we know that truth only through the word of God. Someone communicated that to you using the word of God to show you the truth of it, and we know that truth, and so we should celebrate it and want to extend that truth out to other people through promoting and let, letting them know the word of God as well. Founded on the word, equipped by the word. and That second part is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 3, if not, once again, it's beyond the screen. Starting in verse 16 and going through 17, it says this All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is one of those foundational passages that we look at scripture that shows us. The sufficiency of Scripture. That everything we need for life and godliness can be found in the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to give you the answers to your math tests tomorrow, but it does mean that how we live for God, how we operate this life, everything we need to live for God, we can find within the Word of God. And I love this passage because he says, All Scripture is God breathed. Now, if you're like me, you can be honest. You can say, All Scripture? For I was reading Leviticus the other day, and I'm not sure what's going on there. But it says all Scripture is God-breathed, given to us by God. That means if it's in our Bibles, God wanted it there for our edification in some way. If we find it in the Word of God, that means it's beneficial for us in some way to follow it and apply it to our lives. And I love this passage because when it talks about God breathed, some people use inspired or, or language like that, some translations. And, and we think of inspired writings or inspired texts, and they kind of make us um, have emotions, right? They kind of move us to want to do something, maybe give us the feels. We call man, that's, that it was really inspired. But the language here is God breathed. It's not so much inspired as expired, that when God breathed, into the words. It became alive. That God breathed them out. And this is his words that we know that through the human medium of the writers and the human language, somehow we can feel the breath of God through his word and know him through that. That's a truly amazing thing. For Let that sink in for a second. The Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. The one who spun galaxies across the skies. The one who formed stars and knows them by name. The one who knit you together in your mother's womb. The one who knows every hair on your head. This immense, powerful, almighty God condescends to speak to you. This God, whose mind we cannot fathom, actually stoops down on his knee or lower and chooses to speak to us in human language so that we can know him, love him, and worship him. How powerful is that? That God loves us so much that he would communicate to us eternal truths in a way that we could understand. And not only that, but that this word is useful for us. It says all scripture is God brings useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. And that you see the usefulness for here, that we're taught the ways of God through the word of God, that we're, we're corrected, we're, we're, we're reproofed, we're told how we've gone wrong through the word. We're, we're told how we can correct it back up on the ways he wants us to go. And then we're told how we can train ourselves to live for him. And it all comes from when we open his book. And know him. And then it says that the purpose of this is that the man of God, the person of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Different translations translate that word complete. In different ways. Some say competent, some say uh, perfect, others are, but they're all getting the idea that somehow through the Word of God training us and giving us everything we need that's useful for us, we actually are complete. We're given everything we need for what? For the good works that God has given us. That we're equipped for the good works. I don't know about you, but there's many times in life that I wish I felt more equipped, just for life. You know, some people go through life like new parents. New parents are handed a baby and said, hey, good luck. They're not given an instruction manual, and so they have to kind of learn on the fly, right? How does this thing operate, right? Some people go through life like that. They're like, well, we don't know how to go through life, so might as well fly by the seat of pants and see how this thing operates. And they can get by, But how much better would it be that if you knew, hey, there's something that I could know that would equip me to live the life how I'm supposed to live. That I don't need to fly by the seat of my pants. I don't need to be surprised at every twist and turn life took or takes that I can know the word of God and it would equip me to handle and operate through this life as God would have me do. It's amazing how we have that in the Word of God. And it's amazing that we need to read this and understand that so often people come to the Word of God and say, "Go well, isn't there more? Can't I have something new? Can't I learn something else? Can't God speak to me? I really just need something specific for the situation. And I would say these verses that we've read and more verses throughout the Word are saying you already have everything you need. God has spoken to you. His words. You don't need to sit and wait for something else. He's already given you the ways on which to live and you need to apply what he's given to you and equipped it for you. There was another uh, case study done of 250,000 people in 1,000 churches and it came to this conclusion. They said this, nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on scripture. If churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, their choice is clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible, specifically to reflect on Scripture for the meaning in their lives. Saying, the most valuable thing that I could ever encourage you to do for your life is to pick up your Bible and read it. Reflect on it. Ponder the crazy fact that God has spoken to you through these words and apply them to your life. There's a pastor in England, well, it was a pastor in England, John Stott, who put it like this. We must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. Sounds a little bit more brutal than the other one, right? But the idea is there we must allow the word of God come to it and know that God speaks and if God is speaking through this guess what we should be listening and applying it and living it out founded on the word equipped by the word that's what makes for a healthy church and healthy members that were founded on the word and equipped by the word and that's how it works out in real life how does it work out in real life in this church is that we, both the church and the people, should be a people centered on the Word. So I can speak for the church, first off, and say that means when the church gathers together, the Word is going to be lifted up, the Word is going to be expanded upon, the Word is going to be preached from, the songs that we sing are going to be influenced by the Word, they're going to seek to put to lyrics the ideas and the conceptions and the the thoughts of the Word of God so that we can understand it and worship through it all the more that everything we do here during the service should be informed and impacted and driven forward by the word of God. That's why we're seeking to do it more and more often is that we we preach through books of the Bible because we want this whole church to be founded on the word and know it and dwell on it and grow through it. So The church is is our people centered on the word of God and the member, the healthy member should be the same. That individuals come to church seeking to know that when the songs are sung, they can see glimpses of the words of God through there. That when the sermon is given, that it's going to be founded and, and, and centered on the word. And they can grow through the understanding of what the word says through there. That they actually can evaluate and see, is this part of the word of God? And should we be doing this? And that you hold the church accountable as a healthy church member and say, we should be more focused on the word if we start to get off track. Hopefully we never do. And this means that the individual will take personal time in their life, that they open it up and they read it, they study it, they memorize it, they seek to apply it in their daily life as they walk through life. And this is how we as a church body and as members kind of work together and grow together, is that we're both centered on the Word. It's what unites us. It's what makes a healthy member and what makes a healthy church. We are people centered on the Word, founded on the Word, equipped by the Word. And we should be a people who know God through his word. This means that their church seeks to hold out the truth of the gospel found in the word that Jesus Christ came to save us while we were still sinners. That Jesus Christ lived a life that we could not live and he died for us, taking our sins upon himself and giving us his righteousness. And that now we have a relationship through God because of who Jesus is and how he has saved us. We hold that truth out and we hold the truth out that when people read this and when we start explaining it, people can know this God personally through the word of god that's the mission of the church if i had to sum it up i am you can make fun of me all you want but i'm a bible guy and i'm going to hold forth the bible and preach from the bible and say everything has to be founded on this word because it's the word of god and if their church deviates from the word of god then it's the responsibility of healthy members to call that church into question and say wait a minute what are we learning here I don't want to hear about pop psychology. I don't want to hear about the trends of the nation. I want to know what God has said to me. Give me the word. And that means a healthy church member also pursues to know who God is through his word. That means, believe it or not, every believer is a theologian. Now, when I say words like theologian, eyes have a chance of glazing over And they're like, what does that mean? Do I have to wear weird hats and sit in dusty libraries and read books all day? Well, it wouldn't hurt. But, maybe not the hats. But the fact is that everyone who believes in God is a theologian. For if you have thought any thoughts about God, you're doing theology. And the only question is, are you a good theologian or a bad theologian? A good theologian takes those thoughts they think about God and goes to the Word and says, is this true? Why do I think this? Where would I find this in the Word? And they seek to know God through the words he has spoken to us. And so every member seeks to take those thoughts they think about God and submit them to the Word of God to know him and worship him all the more. doesn't mean you have to have advanced degrees. doesn't mean you have to sit in the library all day. It means that you just seek to know God through his word. And so we as a people are people who know God through his word. The church seeking to hold forth the truth and the people coming along wanting to know who God is and going to his word for it. Let me put it this way. When you love something, you know it, don't you? When you love a sport, I don't love sports, so this is hard for me, but when you love a sport, you guys know stats and statistics and players that boggle the mind. I'm like, how do you remember that? I don't care about that at all. But I'm just as guilty. When I love stuff, when I love my sci-fi or my dorkiness and stuff like that, I know stuff that you don't want to know. You don't want to go down to rabbit trails in here. It's the same way. When you love something, you know it. When you love a person, you seek to know them, right? When you love a person really deeply, You love them in ways that get downright stalkerish, you know? You want to know them. And it's the same way with believers in God. If they love him, they want to know him. They know the facts about him. They know his words. They know those things other people don't know because it gives a more complete picture of Him. And then they love him so much that they get downright stalkerish with God. And they seek to know him in ways that might make other people uncomfortable. They want to dive into the depths of God's word to see God for who he is as he's revealed to us. And that's how we do this together, a healthy church and health members, pursuing God together. And then we should be both the church and the people are a people convicted and changed by the word. The church holds out the gospel knowing that there's the power of God unto the salvation of all who believe, and they hold out the truth, and they know that how do you change people? How do you get people to right from the wrong ways of living? Is that you hold out the truth and let God do the work through his word, that the spirit moves through the word and makes it living and active, and that through the word, people are convicted, confronted with their sins, and they're changed actually makes it a lot easier because i can't change people i can't even change myself but if i submit myself and i hold out the word to people guess what happens is that god convicts and changes people through his word That we see how we are follow and so that church holds out the gospel of christ no matter what the church holds out the gospel even if people do not like it or even society says we shouldn't we hold it out because we know that's where life is found We hold it out to people. And then the member seeks to take the word into their heart to be changed. They submit to the word to be convicted about their sin, to be moved to repentance, to be convicted how they do not measure up and so are moved to ask for forgiveness, to be convicted of their lack of strength and so to look to God for their strength. A healthy church member is convicted and changed by the word and so they submit to the word to grow in the ways of God. Working together, a healthy church holds out the gospel, the truth, knowing that it changes people, and that's the that only thing that can change this world is the Word of God, and the healthy member submits to the Word of God and is changed by it. Founded on the Word, equipped on the Word. And that's what we seek to do here as a church, is that we want to be a, con- a people centered on the Word, we want to be a people who know God through the Word, and we want to be a people who are convicted and changed by the Word. The phrase, it is written, is found 90 times within the New Testament. And every time it is written appears, it's pointing back to the Old Testament Scripture. And it's Jesus, or it's one of the authors of the epistles, saying, The word of God has spoken, it is written. In fact, they use this, tu- this kind of language, it is written to settle matters for both Jesus and for Paul and the apostles, is that they built their whole arguments around the fact that Scripture has spoken. And if Scripture has spoken, God has spoken. And that settled everything for them. That when they spoke of the word of God, they spoke as the very words of God coming from his mouth, that the Bible is God's own word, through it he speaks. And so to the Christian, listens to that word. The Christian believes its teaching. The Christian obeys its command. The Christian loves its pages because God has spoken. And that's how we should view the word of God. God has spoken. We read it, we believe it, and then we act on it. And this is how we place ourselves firmly on the authority of the Bible. And when we do this, we will be founded on the Word, equipped by the Word. Join me in prayer. Daring Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, it's amazing, it's wonderful, it's it's a joyous fact to think that we can know you through your Word. That when we read it, when we understand it, when we see you through it, We can grow in our understanding of who you are and how you have saved us. That when we respond to it, we're living as you have called us to live. That when we seek to apply it to our lives, that we're walking in the ways you've called us to walk. Lord, we love you. We seek you. We ask that each and every one of us can seek to be founded on the word and equipped by the word. We ask that this church will always stand true on that principle that we're founded on the word equipped on the Lord. Why do we do this, Lord? Because you have saved us and you communicate that salvation through your word. Lord, we love you and we ask that we can be true to who you've called us to be. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.